Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Man, is it great to be back with you folks on this 136 podcast. And uh, we want to entitle this uh, Bad Advice. So we're in the book of Job. We're, we're starting in Job chapter 4 and verse number 1. And we're trying something all new this morning. So we're actually on a Zoom conversation. So instead of trying to do the phone, we're trying to get our audio a little better. We're trying to make a difference with our audio and and uh, we can play off of each other. If one of us talks too long, the other one can make some weird signs. And, and uh, so we actually can see each other using this great innovation called Zoom. So as always, I'm here with my dear friend, Stephanie Wesco and co-host. And now, Stephanie, are you ready for this question this morning? So how are you this morning? I am rejoicing in the fact that the sun is shining and it's cool outside. You know, it was 69 degrees. I ran out to get a, a, a latte, 69 degrees here, man. I was thinking that, uh, man, I was in Canada, Northern Canada or something instead of South <laughs> Carolina. It was feeling pretty good. Big Red, my pickup truck, was loving it, man. It was just... Oh, I bet uh, he was. Oh, she man. I, I didn't... You know, the air conditioning just came on a little. The truck was cool. What a beautiful morning. But anyway, more important than all that, and uh, getting right back to God's Word. And so Job has been... Uh, you know, it's been a bit of a challenge. And honestly, we've had... Just, uh, just for full disclosure, Stephanie, we've had attacks on two or three different podcasts as we've tried uh, to come in and do these podcasts for Job. We've had all kinds of editing. Uh, we've had, we've been shut down. Uh, and uh, I, I just felt like there's been a demonic uh, uh, attempt, which, you know, we just gave it to God this morning and prayed in Christ's name. So he has no dominion over us. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We get that. Uh, but certainly I think we understand that there are some uh, who would not like for us to continue on with this Job podcast, which is all the reason more we're going to finish up the book of Job. So we're in chapter four of the book of Job this morning. And we, so up to this point, this is what we know, Stephanie. So we remember that Job is brought up. There's a meeting between Satan and God. And I wanted to say, I read this thing from Spurgeon over the weekend in one of my devotions. And Spurgeon was saying, there's no devil without God. God gives the devil his power. God has the devil on a leash when talking about uh, Job. God let this happen to Job. And I think it's important that we all realize that God's allowing this for his purpose on earth. This trial is going to make Job a better man. And even more importantly, I mean, Job's not thinking, I'm making the holy oracles of God. I'm going to be part of the Bible. There's things in my life that's going to be different. Things are going to change. Uh, you know, Job is like, man, I'm going through junk right now. And uh, so that's what's going on. So, so the Lord allows it to happen. We see in chapter one, we get this picture of this beautiful family that's serving God, that's uh, chowing down together, that are hanging out, brothers and sisters that are going through all that. Chapter two comes along and, and, and tragedy strikes. News is, you know, at the end of chapter one, beginning of chapter two, we start seeing the tragedy. We start knowing what's going on. By the time we get to chapter three of the book of Job, uh, I mean, Job's beautiful, the biggest ranch, the biggest farm, the uh, the richest man in the world. He's he's out there, and he's now the town dump. He's sitting in the middle of nowhere, and his and his friends show up, and uh, and Job finally speaks in chapter three. And now in, in chapter two, he had it all right. His inward appearance, his outward appearance, his heart was right. 
He shaved his head. He threw some ashes down. I mean, he was ready to serve God and, and admit this is all about God. And so he had all that right. And then chapter three comes along and Job starts asking all these why questions. Why did I live? Why didn't something happen when I was a baby? Why did that day even come when I was born? There were whys everywhere, Stephanie. And now we come to chapter four and his, what I think is his oldest friend. You know, the more I read this, the more I think usually your first friend to speak is your oldest or your best friend. You know, so there's, there's a few friends here, but the first one to speak, we come up on the scene, is this dude named Eliphaz. And, and again, we're calling uh, this particular thing bad advice. And then it says in chapter four, in verse number one of the book of Job, it says, then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, now Temanite, here's the weird thing. So Teman was a city down the road, and Teman actually meant the city of wisdom. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. So Eliphaz is from the seat of wisdom, and he's probably the, the big dude in town. You know, birds of the feather flock together. And if Job ran his ranch, uh, multi-billionaire in today's society, all those types of things, uh, certainly Eliphaz would be the same way. If we assay to commune with thee, will thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? So he comes right out and he's asking Job at this point, hey, can we... You know, are you going to be all right if we talk about this? And you know what? Let me just read through chapter four. Then I'll read a verse or two. We'll see how far we go and, and we'll ask questions. It says, Behold, thou hast instructed many and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was fallen and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now it is come upon thee and thou faintest. It touches thee and thou art troubled. It is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and uprightness of thy ways. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished, being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow inequity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God, thy perish, and by the breath of the nostrils, thy are consumed. The roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of the young lion are broken. The young lion perisheth for the lack of prey, and the stout lion whelps are scattered abroad. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof. In thoughts from visions of night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me in my trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern this form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he putteth no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. How much less is them that dwell in the houses of clay, whose foundation is of dust, whom are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from the morning to evening. They perish forever without any regard in it. Doth not their excellency, which is in them, go away? They die even without wisdom. Stephanie, there's a ton here, man. And uh, so Elvaz speaks up and he goes down that road. And you know the road I'm talking about. He goes down the road where, you know, what in the world did you do? You know, we serve a great God. So what did you do to have these terrible things happen to you? So, so coming to you, Stephanie, had, I mean, did anyone insinuate that with you? Did, did anyone say, Stephanie, you know, all these bad things, you lose your, 
uh, dearly beloved husband Charles, you have the tumors on your liver. I mean, did anyone insinuate, what'd you do? I think I struggled with that. I had, after Charles was killed um, in that first couple of months, um, I was very much insinuated to me. And I don't know if it was, I honestly don't know what the person was thinking, if it was in regards to Charles' death or in regards to the fact that I was not right after Charles was killed, as far as I was dealing with PTSD on overdrive. Um, but I, yeah, it was like, you know, you need to get your heart right with God. Mm. You're in sin and you need to get your heart right. And I think that's, you know, because Job got depressed, because Job reached that point of, I don't understand this. Everything was a fog. Then his friends, you know, I think if Job had just kept his mouth shut and internalized all of his pain, his friends would maybe wouldn't have gotten so stupid with him, but they, you know, he asked those why questions. He was in a dark place. Yeah. And so their response, instead of being to build him up, was like, well, this just proves you're in sin kind of a thing. Um, and yeah. yes, I mean, I think there's definitely, even now, you can have, you know, even now there's situations where I'm like, well, it's obvious they think I'm in sin. And that's just, it's just, it is what it is. But that's, um, you know, when you've been through something and then people throwing your face. Yeah. Well, you must have done something or insinuate it. Yeah. Um, and I had many friends who did not do that. Oh, I know. But, um, uh, yeah. 99 out of 100 people are halfway decent in this type yeah. of environment. Um, but yeah, I think, and it, it unfortunately, sometimes those statements come from people that you thought were your best friends or were your closest, the people that you could confide in or, or, be in pain in front of them and they aren't going to judge you for it. Um, but unfortunately some of those people were the ones who judged the worst. If I can put it that way. Yeah. So, some can be some, some, Oh, sorry about that. I'm so I'm moving around. I'm shuffling uh, for those guys who, for those of you who listen, there's no less than seven books to include my Bible in front of me. And I, I shuffled them around. So you heard a sharp noise, but I want to go back Stephanie and, there's something that caught my attention. I want to go to verse 7 in a minute, but just kind of cover what happened before 7. So uh, before verse 7, you know, he's saying, aren't you the one who strengthened people? Aren't you the one who preached to people? Aren't you the one? You know, that's what the insinuation is here. Aren't yeah. you the guy who was richest? God blessed you. You had all the crops. You had all the cows. You had, you know, the oxen. I mean, you guys were eating prime rib, living high off the hog, so to speak. No, no pun intended. But then he gets to verse 7, Stephanie, and he says, Remember, I pray thee, whoever perisheth, being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? And, and, and I mean, to me, I mean, when you get to that verse, you know, who, who has perished that was innocent? Who's, uh, you know, were, were your sons, were your daughters, were, were these people innocent? Who has perished that was innocent? And uh, again, saying they're innocent. So insinuating insinuating yeah. that there's something on Job, that there's some kind of thing going on with Job. And, and again, but you know, here's what gets me, Stephanie, and this is where I wanted to go with this before we move through chapter four anymore, is there's a lot of people listening today. I mean, there's radio stations by the grace of God that have now picked us up and there's people listening to this. And, and, and what comes to my mind right here and what I would ask you is, uh, 
how many people are listening? Do you, you know, and I know you don't know the number. This is a rhetorical question, but mm -hmm. how many people are listening who have been in your situation where something terrible has happened? You know, one of the kids have got ill. Their husband or wife has passed away of a terrible disease and they're fighting with this. You know, is this on me? I mean, what, what would you say? Uh, what would you say to those folks? Uh, I mean, who are listening today saying, is this on me? Is, you know, they're like yeah. Eliphaz here. You know, who's innocent? Who's guilty? Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, I think it's very important if you've, if you've gone through a loss or if you've gone through a deep trial um, to realize um, that when God takes us through a trial as he did with Job, it doesn't mean that you have sinned against God. Now, obviously, there are consequences for sin. So if you've... You know, if you were drunk driving or if you were doing drugs and something bad happened to you as a result of that, well, then, yes, there's personal consequences involved. Um, you know, if you broke the law and ended up in jail, don't say, God, why are you putting me through this trial? Because there's a reason you're in that situation. Um, but, you know, I'm dealing, I have a lady I'm counseling with right now has been through a horrible um, horrible loss um, of a close member of her family was murdered. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she still struggles with some, was that somehow my fault? Was that somehow something I could have prevented? Was God angry with me? Um, you know, when a child is abused and then it's blamed on them that they were molested. Yeah. That's not on the kid. That is not on that child. That's not on that um, that's not on the victim. Absolutely. And to remember that, you know, we don't understand why God allows some of these things and don't let the devil, you know, there's two kinds of guilt. There's the condemnation guilt that comes from Satan. There's conviction guilt that comes from God that is to draw you back to himself. Yep. And, um, to remember that if you're struggling with the condemnation guilt of, you don't, you know, you are doing your best to walk with the Lord and to serve him, to love him. And then boom, something comes into your life. Is God wanting to draw you closer to himself through it? Yes. Does it mean you have done something wrong and have sinned? No. Right. And, um, and I think, I, I think, let me, let me just share this. Cause I think you, you're leading to something I wanted to share real quickly. So okay. in John, and I want to go back to you, but I want to, I want to point out scripturally what Stephanie's saying here over in John 9, 1 through 3, it says, as Jesus passed by, and we remember the blind man there, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Master, who did sin, this man, yeah. or his, his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered and said, neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. And and, and I think that's where you're going is, you know, I'm working with this lady you're saying, and I, I know the lady, uh, just a fine lady, friend of ours, and but a lady whose mother was murdered and stuff. And what the devil wants to do to her and what the devil wants to do to all of us who are listening with hurt in our hearts, who, who've suffered terrible loss, tremendous loss, tremendous, uh, terrible situation, is he wants us to somehow put that on our account. Uh, and, and I mean, the, the Bible was clear there when it said that God should be made manifest in him, that we go through trials 
so often, and, and don't get me wrong, I understand somebody's going to write and say, well, over in Galatians, and I think it's Galatians uh, 6, right there toward the beginning, it says, we reap what we sow. Uh, and I think that's talking individually, you know, what we plant in God, what we do for God. But getting back to what Stephanie was saying, and Stephanie, knowing that that blind dude was blind so that God could be made manifest in him, so that God's testimony, I mean, how does that make you feel? Does that help with all this craziness? Or? It does. And it, it's that reminder that even, you know, the they were Jesus' disciples. These yeah. were the people, these were the guys closest to Jesus. And yeah, they were still in the knuckleheaded stage of life. They were, yep. Jesus still working with them. And when you look at some of the disciples, you go, wow. I mean, God picked people like that to be his disciples. There's hope for me. Um, yeah, yeah, because they, they were knuckleheads. Yeah. Their, their automatic response was, this guy's got to be blind because either God was judging his, their, his parents or him. And um, I know... I know that there have been people that know better, but that have very much either blatantly or very strongly insinuated that they believe Charles was killed because of, you know, what they viewed as God taking him out of the picture because he was this or that or the other. And I tell you, that stuff stings. Yeah, it that stings. It's hurts. a lie from you know where. It stings. Yeah. And there, there are people, here's the sad thing, Stephanie. There are people listening to us right now today uh, who've been there. And, yeah. and, and I hope that it's freeing to you as it was to Stephanie, as it was to me when my friend died in my arms. Uh, I, I hope that it's freeing to you to understand that what you're going through may be able to uh, bring you to a position where you bring wonderful glory and honor to God. Yes. And and that's what this is all. And I've seen that in Stephanie's well, that's life. Why, that's why God took Job through what he took him through. Right. You know, and Elias is going to come to have to come to terms with that later in the book as God gets in his face. But the only reason God took you know, God obviously has multifaceted reasons why he does things. But what the reason we're given in the book of Job that God took him through these trials was simply to glorify himself and to show Satan that, no, my this is my servant. And even if you try to kill him, he's still going to be my servant. And um, yeah. I love in Psalm 103 where God says, you know, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, and he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. And remembering that God's grace and his love and his mercy is there for us in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these things that make no human sense. And, you know, if you've lost a child in a miscarriage, um, don't immediately say, yeah. what did I do to cause this? Exactly. Is this my fault? Because... Again, th these are all just different ways Satan will use to, first of all, get our eyes off the Lord and get them on ourselves in the yeah. end and to help, you know, to try to weaken our faith and um, to yeah. remember that, no, if God, if God isn't convicting you of sin, yeah. don't let Satan start condemning you of something in your life that's not even there because he's wanting to to tear you down. Yeah. That's Satan's ultimate, ultimate goal is to tear us down. It is. And, and you know, as we continue on through chapter four, and I, I, I'm really feeling comfortable that we can finish this up, but I, I think that he goes on, he's, he's given the example of a lion and the bigger lion. And, and you know, that we, 
obviously Job is uh, being spoke about of this huge lion that had all the food, all the things, everything good. Here he is sitting in a dump that used to be his land. And, and, uh, and, and so Eliphaz is talking about this dream he had that fear came upon him, trembling to shake. Uh, so Eliphaz is equating things to emotion. And that's what I wanted to get to that as we wrap up these last few minutes this morning is uh, life is not about emotion. Our relationship, it may be a little bit, but our relationship with God has never been about emotion. It's always been about God's promises and us fulfilling them and us trusting God and us stepping out. And, and I think that's what's going on. And I think Eliphaz, first of all, and I've said this to you, Stephanie, I thought, I think Mrs. Job gets hit way too hard in this whole situation. And I think uh, Job's friends get hit hard. I mean, they're out there for seven days and seven nights. And, and Eliphaz wants to go on and wax eloquently. He's from Teman. He thinks he's wise. Uh, he goes on there in verse 17. Shall mortal men be more than just God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? And, and he's making these accusations that, you know, just because people are successful, just because people know the word of God, sometimes I think people come off uh, being, you know, super ultra spiritual, but they're not. It's just that those of us who are looking at them aren't spiritual enough. And here's Eliphaz waxing eloquently throughout chapter four and, uh, and you know, going on how much less than them in 19 that dwell in houses of clay whose foundation is his dust, which are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perished forever without any regarding it. And then it says, doth not their excellency, which is in them go away. They die even without wisdom. And you know, there's one good thing here that I think comes from Eliphaz. Uh, naked I came into the world and naked I go out. Remember that from the book of Job there a couple chapters ago. We'll see it again. We'll talk about it again. But, you know, I think the important thing to understand here is, you know, God is in control. Uh, God uses us for his glory. God takes those of us with hurting hearts and, and he puts us, uh, he puts us in places sometimes where his trials, where the trials that God gives us, that God allows us to go through, can be used for things like this. Here we are, Stephanie, uh, a couple people uh, with PTSD who've been through some things, who've went through some things. Here we are on the radio this morning, on this Monday morning. And, and why? Because we went through trials. Here we are uh, uh, among great friends, our families, uh, you know, we're, we're all intertwined. Uh, you know, Debbie and I, as well as anybody on earth, we've only known each other a year and a half. But I think to totally understand what is going on with Eliphaz is Eliphaz is missing the point. And so I want to say to you, brethren, I want to save a minute or two for Stephanie to close this thing down. But I want to say to all of you this morning who are hurting, who've been through these things, who think it may be your fault, stop. Now, could God give you a, a chastening? Sure. You know, we, we do reap what we sow, as the Bible says. And, uh, but I think more than any other thing, we've got to look at this trial as what does God have for us next? And I mean, how would you wrap that? How would you, Stephanie, ending chapter four, what would you say to these, these wonderful ladies and gentlemen out there listening today? Uh, what would you say, what positive comment can come out of this from what we just looked at at chapter four? What encouragement, what would you say to these folks? Well, I just was counseling with a young lady end of last week and, um, you know, she's had things thrown in her face as this is your fault. This is your fault and blah, blah, blah. And she was dealing with all of that guilt of, did I bring, you know, is this, is, 
is the way I, you know, the, have I called all, caused all these problems in life for me and other people? Is this all on me? And I reminded her that our identity and who we are is not based on what others accuse us of, of what others say we are. Our identity lies in who we are in Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, no matter what you're going through in life, that does not define who you are. You, What defines you is that you are a child of God. And if Jesus loved you enough to shed his blood for you, he loves you enough to get you through the trial you're in. And keep your eyes on the Lord and remember that even in the midst of that valley, David yeah. said, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. And remember that the Lord is not going to leave you or forsake you and keep your eyes focused on him and in his strength, lay aside those weights that are trying to beset you so that you can run the race he has before you. Amen. I think that's really great. And I, I just want to remind you as we close folks that to remember, uh, you know, affliction doesn't come out of nowhere. It doesn't spring out of nowhere. It's ordained of God. It's allowed by God. So I, I know some of you are going through some terrible times right now and, and, and really been through some stuff and we're here for you. So give us a shout, give us a, uh, look us up on our private Facebook pages on help for wounded spirits, Facebook page, drop us a line. We'd love to talk to you. We uh, probably by the time you listen to this, I think we're about two weeks out. We, we are literally having a PTSD camp, uh, out in Wisconsin. If you want some information about that, contact us. Uh, we'd like to help you get there. Uh, we're going to social distance. We're going to do everything we can to keep people safe, but uh, to learn words, God, to learn words, God, to learn God's word and uh, to come back. So just a shout out to you all that we love you. We're praying for you. It's a great honor to come into your airways. We look forward to being back with you. And I want you to remember that thought as you pray today, that affliction doesn't come out of nowhere. And uh, remember that thought, pray on that today. Well, we sure do love you folks. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com.